Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. You're a product of the fact that God hasn't let go of you. And it's every now and then you need to be reminded of that reality that he is relentlessly and unbelievably ferociously committed to loving you. Isn't that a great reality? Amen. It's a great reality. Somebody got to, I guess somebody love us like that, huh? Um, everybody might not love you. I don't care how in love you think you are. They don't love you like that. Help me today, God. I don't care how much you think you love your kids. God loves your kids more than you love your kids. Um, he, he, um, I don't care how much you hurt that somebody in your life isn't saved and don't know God. God loves them more than you do. Uh, so um, it, that's the comfort. Comfort God. We can never outlove God. Um, and so that's the beauty of that reality. And then some of us wanted to let go on ourselves, but God didn't let go on us. And he kept you here, he kept you living, he kept you breathing, and he kept you seeing. Amen? Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Our fourth round in our series on conquerors. Somebody say conquerors. Yeah, conquerors, conquerors. Revelation 2, verses 18 through 29. Revelation 2, verses 18 through 29. 1, 2, Amen. 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 And this fourth um, segment of us in this series, today I would like to talk about in our Conqueror series, Conquering Manipulation. How to conquer 
manipulation. Lord God, um, we honor you and thank you for insight and foresight that you give us to be able to conquer and deal with any obstacle in our life. There is nothing in our life that you haven't empowered us and given us strength to be able to overcome. And so, God, in the mighty name of Jesus, uh, we reach to you and ask you to give unique breakthroughs in this particular area of manipulation. Lord God, I pray for the person that is the recipient of manipulation. But then I also pray for the manipulator. Because in this text, there's hope for both. And so, God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight and empowered from heaven. Uh, rend our hearts out that we would be able to clearly receive from you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Conquering manipulation. <laughs> like I asked you last time, how many of you ever been manipulated? <laughs> wow, every hand went up. Wow. Wow, so most of us, if not all of us in here, uh, have experienced some type of manipulation uh, in our lives. I know that manipulation has sort of dual meaning. There's the manipulation of being able to be a MacGyver of sorts. I don't know if any of you old enough to remember the MacGyver show, but on MacGyver, he could, uh, he could take uh, in parts of uh, and pieces of stuff and create all types of gadgets out of it, whereby we call people nowadays MacGyver. Um, that, that's a form of manipulation. That's positive manipulation. But um, negative manipulation is this, to control or play upon, be played upon by artful, unfair, or insidious means, especially to one's own advantage. And so, and so, and so in life and relationships, many of us have had people that presented particular intentions that they had that we thought they had, but on the back end, found out that what they were doing was what we call manipulation today is getting played. Uh, um, um, and so, so, so many of us in jobs and in opportunities and in family have dealt with manipulation. Well, this reality of manipulation isn't new because it goes all the way back um, ultimately to the fall, but it also goes back through many times in the, in the Bible where you recognize that when manipulation is going on, and we'll see in this text, that manipulation is a deeply spiritual thing. Um, and, and if you don't recognize, in, particularly in the church, um, manipulation and in church culture um, is, is a big part of what makes the difference between a church being a church and a church that's not a church. One of my jobs as a shepherd is to not just shout you. Let me, let me explain that to you. It's important uh, for you to have well-rounded textual communication. There's nothing wrong with shout. Y'all know I love to shout. Y'all know the clothes and all of that's great. But every now and then, you need to be trained as a believer to know how to uproot manipulation. And, and one of the things that scares me with believers is what many of us say amen to. 
Many of us say amen to things that we don't know is a part of the matrix of, matri uh, uh, of, of manipulation that we need to be spiritual adults. Somebody say spiritual adult. Now, now I, my belief is that God's going to make you a spiritual adult. But that's, that's a part of your participation as a believer to participate in the commitment of what it means to grow spiritually. Because one of the things that it talks about in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 13, is it says, the mature have their senses trained. I love that verse. Because it, the mature have their senses trained, being able to tell the difference between what's good and what's evil. Like, you're not a strong disciple unless you're, 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 you, you have a discernment quotient. One of my favorite verses on discernment in the Bible also is 1 Corinthians. I believe it's the second chapter, verse 16. It, it, it talks about the fact that we have the mind of Christ. And in having the mind of Christ, that means we have been renewed by the gospel to be able to think like Jesus Christ. And in being able to think like Jesus Christ, that means that you, no matter what your age, uh, because the word of God is able to give you spiritual age upon your, beyond your natural age. As a matter of fact, you can be 16 and be spiritually 60. Oh, help me today. And, and that's how powerful the word of God is in our life. And so we come to a passage um, to church. church. When you read the New Testament and you really read what churches were like, you shouldn't be surprised that churches are like they are today. Because many of us, when we talk, I want to get back to the early church. Well, have you studied it? <laughs> like, like, you know, because if you, if you realize um, when you go in the Bible and actually read what churches were like, they were just as messy as now. The reason why church is messy is because the devil doesn't like you. Oh, it, oh Okay. Uh, I, I need to go Pentecostal somewhere else. It, the, the, the devil literally, when you got saved, marked you as a target. Because you are a glory reflector. Somebody say glory reflector. And because you are now in Jesus Christ a glory reflector, he looks at you. He doesn't care about you. He cares about the glory of God that's in your life. And whenever he sees that, he wants to see whether he can find a chink in your armor that would help him to get in to mar the image of God that is supposed to be shown off in the earth. And one of those mechanisms that he uses to do that is manipulation. So we come to this passage. We come to, we've already dealt with the church in Revelation of Ephesus. We dealt with Smyrna. We dealt with Pergamum. And now we're at Thyatira. Uh, I know it sounds like, you know, Wonder Woman or something. Themyscira, that's different. Doesn't exist. Um, but we come to a passage where another church out of the seven is dealing with there are mature believers and they're immature believers. There are discerning believers. There are believers that lack discernment. And so Jesus visits them and he begins to lovingly engage everybody. Which brings me to my first point of several for my point, people, um, on this message on conquering manipulation. Number one, if you're going to conquer manipulation, first thing you must do is you must know what discernment and biblical purity looks like. If you're going to conquer manipulation, you got to know what discernment and biblical purity looks like what discernment and biblical purity looks like of verse 18 
Jesus says, write to the angel of the church in Thyatira, thus says the Son of God, the ones whose eyes are like a fiery flame and whose feet are like fine bronze. I like this. Because now, as we see, every time that Jesus talks to one of the seven churches, he gives them an attribute about himself or several attributes about himself that are pertinent to them drawing on to be able to be a conqueror. I need to pause. If you're going to conquer anything in your life, it's not about you giving someone a piece of your mind. It's not about you saying, I got something to say, or I need to take care of my business. None of that works. What works is drawing off of something about Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate conqueror, who gives you the ability to conquer, to draw off something specific about him that helps you in your specific situation. So that means that you as a believer need to know Jesus Christ. I hear everybody say Christianity is a, is a relationship, not a, not a religion. But when we say a relationship, we mean fire insurance, not knowing Jesus. So when we talk about relationship, it's more than just saying, I know Jesus Christ and he know me, kumbaya, and yes, Jesus loved me. No, um, knowing Jesus is about knowing stuff about him. Uh, for, for instance, when, 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 when people, people don't think of Jesus, when they, when they think of love, they think of this, this you know, this, this relaxed perm type hair dude that's throwing his hair in the wind and, 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 you know, walking with the lilies and wheat and smacking them and tickling Peter and that type of thing. It's like this philosophy of Jesus that's really not a really holistic understanding of who he is. Even when you talk about a non-hyperbolic understanding of how he loves, we need to understand that love for him is, is, is not just telling the kids to come to me, suffer them to come to me, not just telling uh, 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 the, the woman with the issue of blood, uh, you, you, your faith has made you well, and showing all kinds of love. Sometimes Jesus' love is turning over tables. So when you have, and what I mean by this and why am I saying this is because we have to have a full picture of Jesus. This text lets us know a beautiful picture of Jesus. I don't know if we recognize what it means for him to have fiery eyes. Now, him describing himself with fiery eyes, you would think would be judgment. Now, I thought the church wasn't getting judged, preacher. Well, we, we get judged in a different way. But here... He's not merely talking about what he's going to do to the church. He's talking about, in his eyes, what it means for the church to reflect the way his eyes look. Now, having, having flaming eyes or fiery eyes doesn't mean he's tipsy. What it means here is that he's discerning. In his judgment, he judges after having had looked deeply into what's going on, and now he's able to discern. Oh, God, help me today. Listen, like I said, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 talks about the fact that the spiritual man discerns all things. So you as a believer have the right to have a mind. What I mean is don't let anybody shout your mind out the door. 
In other words, as a believer, you need to be very, very discerning and being able to look at everything with godly scrutiny. I'm not talking about being a critic who never applies anything because they're always trying to just start arguments. I'm talking about a person that really has a heart for the Lord Jesus Christ, that's committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we put on a biblical grid, a biblical worldview, we begin to look at everything and ask godly questions in submissive and godly ways that leads us to making sure that we see things with beauty and discernment. So when you see Jesus Christ here dealing with these things, he goes from there and he says, tell him, tell him the Son of God is here. In other words, God. That's what Son of God means. And then he goes there and he says, one whose eyes are fiery flame and whose feet are like fine bronze. In chapter 1 it says, feet that are in the fiery furnace. Now it just says fine, fine bronze. Pointing to the fact, not that Jesus needs purification, but Jesus is both discerning and pure. And so we as believers need to walk in that discernment and purity that Jesus Christ has imputed to us through us having faith in him. And so in having faith in him, objective faith, not feeling-oriented Christianity. In other words, very little of what you sense in your spirit is real. I'm not denouncing your feelings, just don't trust them. Feelings should follow objective truth. So when you, do, you, you, you can say something doesn't feel right, nothing wrong with that. But biblically, at some point, you got to know specifically what's not right, that that feeling may be giving you a point or two that's not right. <laughs> so when we look at this reality of Jesus Christ, he's given us these realities so that we can look at him and draw on him for all of his strength and grace in dealing with what we talked about, discernment. And so, again, know what discernment and biblical purity looks like. Look further down in the text. It says in verse 19, he says, I know your works. And he says, your love. <clears throat> he says, faithfulness, service, and endurance. He says, I know that your last works are greater than your first. Now, what is he saying here? He begins to go through encouraging characteristics that a church that's messy can have. Do you know that a church that's messy can actually have good stuff in it? But do you know that every church is messy and has good stuff in it? Okay, so, so, so no matter where you go, there's going to be church with issues. Now, some issues are a little more steeped, where it's kind of difficult to see the evidences of grace. But here Jesus is able to pull out some things for us that are beautiful things that I think churches should have in their framework. Number one is love. Somebody say love. Love is one of, the, one of the pillars of the faith. So in the midst of them being manipulated, or some in the church, or many in the church being manipulated, there was a sense of love in the church. In other words, there was a sense of unconditional love towards people no matter where they are in their life. That's a beautiful characteristic. Because what happens is, is when you have healthy characteristics that are within the church, it helps you to be able to grow in seeing what's not healthy in a local church. Uh, um, so, 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 so love, love, love is uh, one of the pillars of faith, faith, hope, love, unconditional love. How many of you know that the church or churches must be known by love? The question, though, is uh, we have to make sure as believers we're in those contexts where love takes place. 
Okay, so, 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 so number one, love. But not only love, Jesus affirms them, he also affirms, affirms them on faithfulness. Somebody say faithfulness. When he goes in here and he talks about faithfulness, he's talking about consistency in spite of your season. In other words, this church shows great characteristics of being willing to walk in gospel faithfulness and truth even uh, 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 that transcends seasons. That's when you know you're a Christian. You know you're a Christian when you're willing to walk with God, live for God, uh, uh, praise God, worship God, honor God, be in his word and pray even tra- transseasonally because your life was made to be tr- m- uh, go through multiple seasons. That's Ecclesiastes 3. There's a time and season for everything in your life. So you'll have ups and you'll have downs, but the f- Faithfulness is the ability through the purity of Christ to remain the same, not spiritually, not growing, but remain the same without taking a dive. You have the ability to go through ups and downs and grow and remain the same without dipping into the depths of depravity and brokenness. So love and faith. Y'all with me today? All right. Love and faithfulness and this service, they had selflessness towards each other. That means they didn't mind serving. In the name of Jesus. They didn't mind being a part of, they didn't just talk about the plow, they put their hand to the plow. In other words, it's one thing, you know, I'm going to just tell you like it is. It's hard to hear anything difficult from anybody that don't have their hand to the plow. When you got your hand to the plow, I can hear you. But if, but if you ain't got your hand to the plow and you just got a general critique, I, my ear suddenly fills with earwax. All right. So love, faithfulness, service, and endurance. I love endurance. Endurance is resilience in and through hardship. Now, what's interesting about these, these right here, these are, these are massive characteristics. You got to understand, this is a church worth joining, even with its mess. See, most of us, when we join a local community, we join it for the perception of these things without preparing ourselves in maturity that there's stuff there that ain't right with God. So you have to have the maturity to know that when you run up against the peace cycle, where there's going to be a point when the honeymoon is over and you have to face conflict and your practical love of the church has to actually be faced beyond what you felt about what you saw, but now you're in it and a part of it. What do you do and how you love it when you're a part of it and the mess is around you and you're still called to walk in those characteristics? And so, and so, and so when we look at this reality as believers, we, we, we see that, guess what the devil loves to do? The devil knows that every church that's a biblical church, this candlestick has not been taken away or lampstand, has godly qualities. What the enemy wants to do is take that church and manipulate it. The very thing that is a church's strength in God's eyes is the very thing that the enemy wants to manipulate it for his purposes. Y'all better hear me today. This is very important. The devil isn't necessarily, see, many of us think the devil's after our vices. He's after the things that glorify God. So guess what he wants to manipulate? 
your love for each other. <laughs> you see in a second, he, he, wants to, he wants to mar unconditional love. So when someone messes up, we sit them down permanently. And there's no restoration process. Oh, ain't nobody going to talk back. <laughs> there's no love. Every time somebody do something, they, they kick to the curb and their stuff got to be said in front of the church. And they're shamed versus walked with. Ain't nobody going to talk about it. But, and people think they're walking in holiness, but really what they're doing is demonically pushing people away from the cross. <laughs> Manipulation. Not only that, he likes to manipulate faithfulness. He likes to do anything in your life to stop your consistency with Jesus. Anything. As a church, anything. If you're sharing the gospel with somebody, he wants to get in the midst of that. He wants to get in the midst of your service. He wants to get in the midst of your endurance. That's what he wants to do. Name Epiphany Fellowships, strength, and the devil is after it. You can mark it. Whatever our strength is as a church, the enemy wants to manipulate it and cause there to be a shift in how people view it so that we can lose our witness in ministering God's glory to people. See, the only way you can care about this is if you care about the church, not just your individual stuff. Then he goes, he says, I know that your last works are greater than the first. He said, y'all were mess at first, but then y'all started growing. Next point, identifying manipulation and giving no room for it. <laughs> Ooh, Lord, help me today. Conquering manipulation means that you identify manipulation and give no room for it. Now, this is interesting in this passage. What is said, it says, but I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel. Stop right there. Now, this word, ladies, is not to sexualize and feminize rebellion and manipulation as a female characteristic. Amen. Do you hear me? The purpose, this word can apply to a man or a woman. What the writer of Revelation is doing is he's taking Jezebel from Kings and showing that there are characteristics that she has <clears throat> that this person, whether male or female, they call it the woman Jezebel. It could be a woman, but it's, again, this applies more broadly than just a woman, right? When we talk about this, and, and, and if you remember anything about uh, Jezebel in the Old Testament, she was crazy. She was absolutely, unadulteratedly crazy. And so what you see here is the characteristics that Jesus sees I don't have time to even go through all of them. That's parallel to that Jezebel. Now, and, and, her, and, 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 and again, what he's about to do is he's about to make the church Elijah and Jehu. <laughs> some, some of y'all, who in the world is Jehu? Go read it when you get a chance. Elijah and Jehu and her being Jezebel, being her and Israel's ungodly, unredeemed, non-spiritual Israel line. Please stay with me. Both are in the church. 
Jezebel, like somebody said, I said Jezebel spirit on her. Like, like, I don't know if the Bible says that there's a demon that's Jezebel. I don't know about that. All I know is that these characteristics are demonic. So it says, oh God, when we talk about this idea of Jezebel, it's kind of like a big sort of junk drawer of challenges that she is. This is the type of stuff she does. Jezebel likes to slaughter true prophets. <laughs> Help me today, God. What she likes to do is she opposes God's word by opposing those who mantle God's word. In other, in other words, and, and she does it in subtle ways. God help me with time. <laughs> and, 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 and you see that, we don't have to turn it in 1 Kings 18.4. <laughs> You'll see her, her, what she wants to do is she wants to discredit the authenticity of God's word through the church. That's one of the main things that she wants to do. We'll show how she does it in a second. Next thing she likes to do is place fear in the heart of God's prophets. In other words... Um, um, you ever seen one of them, um, them, them lizards, you know, that it's real small, that all of a sudden he got a big thing and come out and he start going like this on you, like that, like he swole, he start, y'all know somebody, y'all didn't watch the nature, he start, dead. in other words, he puts those up, but it's really a thin membrane that makes you think he's bigger than what he is. And it's there to ward away predators even though the, the, the lizard knows it can't win, all it has is the art of deception on its side. That, that, that's, what, that, that's what Jezebel loves to make you think she's more than what she is. This man or woman. More than what she is, she has more. She make you think she has more power than she actually has. More strength and influence than she actually has. And, and what begins to happen is she loves to weave her influence in the body. Because, because Jezebel usually creates alliances in ways that look godly but deeply ungodly. <laughs> she opposes God's word. She operates on borrowed authority. Oh, wish I had time. I got nine minutes. <sighs> See, what Jezebel likes to do is she loves to be near authority so that she can use that authority for her own desired ends. I'm teaching you about church, y'all. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, 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 and, and, uh, how, how do I know this? Because Jezebel and Kings, guess what she did? She took her husband's signet ring and wrote letters like it was him and put his signet on it and sent it out to do her bidding. And her husband is the king, but she's just the queen mother. In other words, she borrows spiritual authority. She borrows God-ordained authority, but uses it for demonic ends. I'm going to tell you as a pastor, I'm gonna be, can I be real with you? I've had to sit some people down from discipling people. <laughs> because it, it, it was very manipulative. And I had to say, your, your role here is not disciple making in this season. Your role here is submission and listening. And if you continue to try to make disciples, you have to leave. Let me tell you something, my role and the elders' role here sometimes. Sometimes it's to invite people not just to church, but not to be in it. If I feel like and see 
that you're being manipulated. And so, guess what? Many times, I'm getting ahead of myself, you'll be mad at the leadership. Because Jezebel has so manipulated you that you don't know that she's manipulating because she seems spiritual. But the leadership has to sometimes make decisions about people. And I ain't talking about no particular current day situation. So y'all can be like, what is he talking about? What is he talking about? It's nothing current day. Nothing current day. Some, some words are preparatory words. But because this word was preached, it's going to happen. And guess what? You're going to have to be godly enough to say, based on the track record of this leadership, do they just do stuff like this? But when you have relationships that, aren't, that, that are based on manipulation, because what Jezebel does is when she, she builds herself an entourage, she gives you gifts on your birthday, give you Christmas gifts, she can cook, invite you over, and she gets all in there so that if any, she makes you a ride or die. Post selfies with you, tell you how great you are, tag you, hashtag best friends, hashtag my people. And I'm just telling you, all of that is a way to nurture you and, 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 and massage you and even molest you to being a part of her team, not Christ's team. Wish I had time. <laughs> Wish I got some experience in this stuff, so I'm just telling you, this ain't my first rodeo. <sighs> Jezebel, I got so much to say about her. I got to stop. <laughs> we're going we're to say a couple more, but listen to what it says. It says, you tolerate her. <clears throat> there were people in the church that knew she was a mess. Help me, God. <clears throat> but because they like theater relationships more than they like being fed by Messiah, they make room and even put them in positions. And what happens is you don't know what to do with her because she has this role and all this influence and you don't know and you have to be courageous as a believer to be able to deal with the fallout of people misunderstanding you as a believer calling her out. Because I'm telling you, God's going to hold you responsible for trying to keep false peace. <laughs> it's too much for Sunday morning, I guess. Maybe I should have did this at a leaders conference. Because <laughs> they would have been shouting right now. All the leaders. Because what we have to do as believers is we can't. There's certain things that you could, you could tolerate a person that's struggling through their sin. That's love. You can't tolerate a person who walks in comprehensive unrepentance and refuses to see their unspiritual demonic activity as what it is. God help me. I got to move. I got to move. I got to make sure we say something for 11 o'clock. He said, you know what I like about what this text says? Who calls herself a prophetess? Oh, God help me. It's funny that it says she calls herself a prophetess. <laughs> I got on some artists one time because they started using, they said, I'm minister this and minister that. And I said, and I said who, who pastorally in a local community affirmed that you should be a minister and proclaiming yourself as a minister? Well, God called me. Well, where's that in the Bible? Because even Paul in Acts chapter 9, when he got his calling, didn't go out 
until Acts chapter 13 when he was sent by the leaders of the church at Antioch. So if Apostle Paul can wait on gospel affirmation from a leadership structure, who in the heck are you? He saw the resurrected Jesus. He spoke different languages and wrote 13 letters. Who you think you are? Come on, somebody. Talk to me today. Nobody gets to appoint themselves. When somebody come prophesying to you, Listen, listen, I believe in prophecy. Sometimes I'll, I'll hit it every now and then on Sunday. But, 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 but listen, if a prophet, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I had this guy. Oh, God, I got so many stories. This guy came to me. And he was talking to me. It was 18 years ago. And, man, I was, I was a little less sanctified back then as a minister. And I, and I had some choice words for him that I shouldn't have used I had to repent of. But he was trying to prophesy over me. And I was just staring at him. He said, what, what, you don't believe me? I said, you know you're full of it, right? That ain't what I said. <laughs> but I said something very choice to him that I'm repenting again of saying. I shouldn't have used unwholesome words for a holy situation. <laughs> it's a video online of a certain prophet. <laughs> He's calling out people's names and birthdays. And, and he called, and, and then he, he told them what, what they do in business. So the guy goes on, and he goes, click, and he says, all you have to do is go to the church he was going to go to, their Facebook page, see that the person that's going to be at church liked it, was going to be there, and then begin to call their name out in church. Then he went to their page and saw all of the business that they did, and this guy basically prophesied that this person's specific business name is going to grow when you can just go on Facebook and look at the guy. Where's, where's? Where, where's Sister Christy at? There she is. There she is. You work in social work, don't you? Then going on. Yes, God, I'm working in social work. Now you'd be like, you'd be like, God showed me that He's got a nonprofit anointing coming your way with three million. Listen, you better learn how to listen. You better learn how to just sit there and look at them fools. Don't be scared of them fools because they're not prophets. Most people that I have met, very few people with the gift of prophecy. Actual gift. Most public people who call themselves prophets, none of them are prophets. <laughs> but she likes to, she also, she not only says she's a prophet, she teaches too. That's what the text says. And she teaches and deceives my servants. Oh, I got to get this sermon over with. Y'all got to help me. Help me. He said, it says she teaches and deceives my servants. Who are the people? The people that love, the people that are faithful, the people that endure, and the people that serve. That's who she is after. But what happens is, is... Jezebel always mixes immorality and idolatry in the stew of her demonic gumbo. And she, 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 she gets an opportunity. She knows a little bit of doctrine. But this is how you know the difference, though. See, you're Elijah and Jehu. Elijah demands repentance. Jezebel hates repentance. Elijah demands righteousness. Jezebel opposes righteousness. Elijah speaks freedom. Jezebel desires control. 
Woo! I'm telling you, this is good teaching right here. Uh, it, it, Elijah demands humility. Jezebel appeals to your pride. She builds you up, tells you great things about yourself. Uh, anyway, I got to move. This sermon need to be over. Elijah speaks God's ways. Jezebel uses deceit and systems of witchcraft. Witchcraft is rebellion. Not some type of, get a piece of hair over here and drop it in some, in some, in some black seed oil and all of that. Bible says even rebellion is the spirit of witchcraft. Elijah wants God's throne. Jezebel wants to enthrone herself. <laughs> so how do you deal with her? I got a few things and then I'm done. Y'all still with me? Challenge your manipulator this way. Do your research. Before you deal with Jezebel, you have to research the web. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Because when you, when you challenge her or him, what happens is, is they always are crafty word-wise, so you gotta have all your ducks lined up in a row. I'm telling you, I've dealt with this in the church. And when you, because sometimes when you confront you be like, you feel like you're the one that's wrong. I'm, listen to me right now. Y'all need to write this down if you ain't dealt with it. I'm just telling you. But then it goes from there. It says, now we have to have a bold witness. You got to have some people, some, some witnesses with you that know that she's a mess or he's a mess. He's a Jezebel. So that you can't, so that the story can't get flipped. Because I'm telling you. When, when, when she'll even act like she repented or he repented, leave and act like, you'll be like, what happened in the meeting? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm tell and you'll be like, hold on. We met about this. You said this. Da, 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 da. And then now you're looking crazy. I never said that. I'm telling you. It is the, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Telling you. Next, give her the opportunity to repent. Even Jesus did. <laughs> Jesus says, give them, the, Jesus says, I gave her an opportunity to repent. Right? But then, guess what I have to do, though, whether you repent or not? Guess what I have to do? Remove them from all spheres of control. You can't empower her or him. You cannot. You got to remove them from all spheres of control, influence in your life, and what you might be called to lead. You don't re-enlist a repentant Jezebel into helping you. They can't handle it. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Try not to lose my voice. I got two more services. Sound the alarm on Jezebel. You got to sound the alarm. Everywhere that her or his tentacles went, you have to have a group meeting with Jezebel present and those people, I'm giving you nuggets. You sit down with them and you say, admit it in front of everybody. If they don't, then you rebuke them right there in that meeting. I got to move. Now, sound alarm, and listen, expect people to be confused. I'm it's, 
There'll be people to be confused. What's happening? They were a great member here. They tithed. They gave. You know what I'm saying? And you, they're like confused. You're like, just be confused. Let the Lord work this out over time. And you'll even have people that get mad at you and they'll even leave relationship or leave the church, whatever. You got to be okay with that because that's better than leaving her here getting everybody. All right. Verse 21. Jesus said, I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to repent of her sexual immorality. He says, look, I will throw her into, Jesus loves her. He loves Jezebel. Look what he does. I will throw her into a sick bed. Now, this is interesting. And those who commit adultery with her, uh, uh, with her into great affliction, unless they repent. So what God will do is God will afflict Jezebel, but then all those who continue to be connected to her after he had already told him to leave her alone. Because see, people that are under her spell doesn't know that she's a problem. So God has to discipline you so that your crazy self can come out of that manipulation. Okay, I got to go. Verse 23, he said, I will strike her children dead. He said, I'm going to take it to another level if they won't. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who examines minds and hearts. Goes back to those flaming eyes. He said, I know stuff that y'all don't know, even though you think it's good on the outside, it's good, not on the inside, and I strike hearts. He said, and I will give each to each according to your works, verse 24. Then he gets encouraging. He says, I say to you, to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who will not allow her to manipulate you, who haven't known the so-called secret things of Satan, as they say, I'm not putting any other burden on you. This goes back to chapter 15 of Acts for Gentiles. Don't have time to dive into that. As he begins to do that and as he begins to lay that out, oh, so much to say. Oh, man, sorry, y'all. Last little point, I promise I'm done. Includes, involves knowing who you are and your glorious future in Jesus. That's how you conquer manipulation. Knowing who you are and your glorious future in Jesus Christ. 16, 26. The one who conquers and who keeps my works to the end, I will give them authority over the nations. What does he say? He says, she wants to give you a sense of control and authority. God says, if you endure, believer, through her manipulation, I'll cause you to be kings and queens over nations. When he comes back, Jesus, listen, nothing God gives is ever fake. Nothing. Manipulators always try to give you fake things and make it appear as real. I'll never forget when somebody gave me a gold chain in 1985. <laughs> <coughs> never forget it. You know, hair and bone, fat cables, that's what we wore. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know why. But my neck was itching like a mug. I'd be like this, like, man, I need to wash. And little did I know is that the inside that was laying on me was peeling off and causing rash irritation. But I liked 
Because people are like, oh, that joint, all right, E. I see you with your fat cable on. I holler, man. And I'm liking that. But I'm willing to put up with this itch because of what people are saying to me. But when God gives you something, he gives you a real chain. You can go like this all you want. You understand what I'm saying? Let that thing ring around and enjoy it because guess what? It's real and you can enjoy it and, you can, and, and, and everything about it is authentic so you don't have to worry about side effects. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Father God, we thank you. We honor you um, for your mercy and for your grace to help us to um, just begin to deal with manipulation in our life. And Lord, I just pray that the enemies hold through people um, because it, like, it's, it's normal for the church to experience divisive people. That's the way that's going to happen. <clears throat> the question is, not whether or not we're going we're gonna to experience divisiveness. The question on the floor is whether or not we're going to confront it. God, I pray today that the church would be bold. But before a church can be bold, people have to really be into the church. I'm not, when I say into the church, I'm not talking about culturally what it means to be into the church. I'm talking about the things that you say about the church. Evangelism, discipleship, biblical community, global missions, church planting. Uh, building one another up, those things that make the church the church, serving the lost, serving the poor, um, engaging in changing systems in society. I'm talking about that, not just having an affinity for a website or a brand or a Facebook page or something, but actual things that are connected to scripture. And so I pray that you would nurture and build up your flock to be able to have gospel discernment, Holy Spirit discernment, and clarity, and not only that, but also Holy Ghost boldness to deal with any manipulation, even on a personal level in their life. Family members who may be walking in these things, but help us to be vigilant in the church. God, we honor you. And thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen, amen, amen. Maybe you're here and you don't know. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.